I've noticed more of like the lymphatic system being involved with the cesarean births, especially mine. I don't remember learning about that in our earlier years about C-section births because I feel like we still only learned about the top part, the skin massage, the scar massage. Yeah. And I have learned with working, trying to improve that lymphatic flow can really help with that abdominal bloating, which will then decrease the abdominal pain, which then can help with that healing and inflammation too. Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mama four, exercise physiologist, doula, and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth, and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix. And I'm Lauren O'Hayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix. And I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor. We're talking all things cesarean recovery today. Does a cesarean save the vagina? How is cesarean recovery different from vaginal birth recovery? And what are some ways that we should be educating our clients about their recovery and their return to fitness? Today, we are so excited to be joined by physical therapist and cesarean mom of three, Amanda Fisher, to deep dive into these questions and more. A lot of the information given out about cesarean recovery today is vastly outdated, and we're so pumped to hear from Amanda and hear her take. Amanda Fisher is a pelvic floor physical therapist, the owner of Empower Your Pelvis, and a C-section mama times three. She treats patients completely differently than she did prior to having her own children and has a huge passion for pelvic floor prehab and rehab, especially after having her C-section births. So much so that she has created a C-section recovery group for mamas. Is that on Facebook, Amanda? Facebook and Kajabi. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. We want to hear more about that in a minute. So thank you for being here with us, Amanda. We generally start our conversation by just asking, we want to hear more about you. Tell us about your beginnings. Tell us how you got into the work that you're in and the specialty. It sounds like I was looking at your Instagram this morning. I definitely see the focus on cesarean birth support. So we'd love to know more about your beginnings. Yes. So um, I had lots of injuries growing up and was in the physical therapy clinic quite often. So I graduated, thought I was going to be in sports med style physical therapy. And while in school, we had a combined sections meeting where all the PTs get together and you go and learn about the different sections um, within physical therapy. So geriatrics, women's health, um, running injuries, pediatrics, like so many different avenues. And um, one night, uh, our class went out for beers <laughs> after a long day of learning. And one of my girlfriends and I drew the short straw of going to this class called like, what you don't know about orgasms or something. And so we woke up bright and early the next morning, went to this orgasm class and soon found out that it was everything you could learn about women's health, physical therapy, which we had no clue about because you didn't really learn about it in school at that time. Mm-hmm. And this is like, 2008, 2009. And while there, I was sitting there and realized like, oh my gosh, they are talking about me. Like I had developed, had uh, just gotten married, was 
So I'd been planning a wedding. I was training for half marathons, triathlons, like overworking myself that I did not know. You know, I know now I didn't know then um, and had developed pain with intercourse and started peeing my pants while running. And so I'm sitting in this course and realizing everything they're saying. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. That's me. I just kept nodding my hand and my head and shaking and turning to my friend. And she was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, this is not me at all. But um, realizing like, this is a thing, something that I had been hiding inside for so long. And I would grab like the newest Cosmopolitan magazine that would come out and realize like, okay, every time, every month they were talking about like these great you know, how great sex was and all these different positions and um, how orgasms were like a real thing. And like, I had not experienced that. And I was feeling knives, like stabbing knives while trying to have sex with my husband and being told like, have a glass of wine, it'll all get better. Um, And so after that combined sections meeting, um, which would have been like, I don't know, early February of that year, I started really diving deep and realizing as a student, you could go and do your first certification level And so I did over, I think, the following winter break and dove into what we were learning then was urinary incontinence, prolapse, um, but not a whole lot about the postpartum side. And while at that class, I had heard, get into this before you have children because you'll be so much better off. And a lot of the women in that course had been having children and dealing with the incontinence and things um, and pelvic pain. And I was like, had not had children and was dealing with the incontinence and Mm -hmm. pelvic pain. And realizing if I was having it, then other people must be having it too. And so I graduated and went and started a women's health, what we called a women's health program at the clinic I was at, at the time, an outpatient clinic here in town, and was treating a lot of the high school athletes and cheerleaders and gymnastics who were peeing when they were landing. Yeah, And it just started like putting these pieces of the puzzle together that, okay, not everybody has to push a baby out of their vagina to have issues. And so starting to dive deeper and realizing a lot of us were dealing with hypertonic pelvic floors and giving them different techniques on how to improve their performance. It was a whole new ballgame, things that we just had not gone into during school. And then me being the crazy athlete still of wanting to train for half marathons and triathlons, because you still like, it wasn't a lot on that. Like you still heard around that time, like if you're peeing your pants, just do Kegels. And there wasn't a whole lot on the relaxation. It was like just breaking the surface. Um, And I was still training for a half marathon while pregnant with our first kiddo. Like I now know after having that C-section, like, okay, probably not the best idea. Because when she went in for that, it ended up as an emergency C-section. And our OB at the time was just like, Amanda, your abdominals are so tight. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. Like I I can't even break through these guys. I'm going to have to cut through them because they're they're so tight and realizing now, like when women are coming in, I'm like, okay, there's more than just working out. Like we've got to start stretching the tissue. There's other avenues to go around it to help, you know, decrease your chances or risk of a C-section or to have a better vaginal delivery than just telling them to do Kegels. That's a little bit of the backstory. So amazing because I had potential client call me recently and she, she asked me, she said, I just had a DNC. I'm young. I'm in my early twenties. I um, had an elective DNC. And is there anything I should do, you know, for my pelvic floor health? And I was like, are you having any pelvic floor issues? And she was like, no, no. And so I just said, you know, whatever I said, my, basically I was like, why don't you just allow your body to heal itself? Like if you're not having any issues, just allow your body to heal itself. I said, my only recommendation is a lot of people 
she's from like a very kind of holistic crunchy community. And I know they use a lot of yoni eggs. I said, my Mm -hmm. only recommendation is don't dive into yoni eggs. If you're feeling like you need healing in your pelvic floor, I wouldn't dive. That wouldn't be the first thing I touch, like I go for. Mm -hmm. And she was like, really, why? And I had already asked her, did you have any pelvic floor symptoms? And she's like, I love yoni eggs. I use them because I have such painful intercourse. Oh my gosh. The story reminded me so much of how like you went to this orgasm workshop. I wonder had it been called heal your pelvic floor, you may never have shown up because there's this dissonance and it starts with how women's health is not acknowledged by anyone in the medical professional, in the medical profession. And, you know, there's this dissonance between what we think is going on in our body and what is going on at the story we tell ourselves around what we're experiencing. Oh, it's normal. Oh, it's nothing. Oh, I'm just, I have pain. Oh, I just, you know. And I think people think uh, if I have no organs falling out of my body, then I'm fine. They'd be like, do you have any symptoms? And they say no, but then you come to find out that they exactly. are, you know, are having urge issues. There's a lot of yeah. different issues that people just assume are normal. Yes. And I think when they feel they're normal, then it's not an issue. Like, oh, right. but that's, I had a baby. It's you know? normalized. It's, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Like my mom has it. My grandmother has it. And I'm like, oh, but you don't have to have it. Like, yeah, genetics play a role. DNA plays a role definitely, but there's so much more you can do to help improve it and not have the same effect that they might be having. Yeah. Sometimes I just ask people, how are your orgasms? <laughs> you know, like, how are they? <laughs> really? How are your orgasms? Because that they understand. Oh, my, they, I mean, they kind of suck. I don't really have mm-hmm. them. It takes me forever to have one or so. Yeah. It's yes, interesting. And I think that's a huge, a huge piece of people really hide inside with the orgasm side too. Mm-hmm. Um, like they don't want to, it's almost like now what we're finding is women don't want to speak up about that one. Kind of how leaking was back in oh eight yeah. or nine. You'd ask, it was like 30% of people would tell you the truth. And then orgasms are, they're saying, oh, it's fine. It's fine. And then you get into a couple visits and they're like, actually, yeah, I've never had an orgasm since having children. And you're like, well, yeah, cause you're, everything's so high and tight right now. Like nothing's mm-hmm. able to breathe and really right. get the full range of motion that it needs to for that to happen. Let's get you back to that because that's a necessity. <laughs> we need that. Yeah. Totally. And I think everyone thinks after they give birth, everything is loose and wide and there's lots of space and they don't realize they actually could and very likely are still tight, too tight, not yes. too loose. Yes. Body's definitely protecting after that big event that happened, whether it's a vaginal or a cesarean birth. They like to guard up and protect because they're like, what the heck just happened? <laughs> what either came out of that vagina or came out of my abdomen and, you know, a completely different birth than what your body thinks is going to happen. And it does. It just muscle guards because it's freaked out. And you've got so many muscles down there. Um, you know, some like to, what we like to say, like they're type A personalities and like to work overtime. And then some of them are still on vacation and more like loosey goosey where you kind of have to get them working together as a team again, make it a team approach. And then things will tend to fall in place. No yeah. pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Perfect. I love it. So I, I'm curious because I do work a lot with clients with prolapse. It's one of the areas I work a lot with. So, and one of the big things I hear a lot, and I heard you talk about it with your story, is athletes having this real moment of pain of like, I've been told by my practitioner, I can never run again. I've been told I can never go to CrossFit again. And I was reading your uh, bio on your website and I saw that 
it said, you can usually find me at the gym doing a boot camp class. I can't remember what it was called, burnout boot camp or something. Maybe not burnout. <laughs> burn, <laughs> don't burn out, please. <laughs> don't burn out. But um, I, and then hearing your story, I wanted to ask you about, you know, in my program, I definitely, in Lindsay and I's program, we definitely try to create that bridge from you know, rehab to what you love and creating this really progressive, intelligent bridge to getting back to what you love. And I'm curious how you work with your clients and do you, how do you, like, what are the tools that you suggest? you have a client with a prolapse, uh, whether they've had a cesarean birth or not? Now they want to go back to CrossFit. What is your advice and how do you bridge them to that place if you bridge them there at all? Yeah, my goal... Um, is to get them back doing what they love. So we, we may take smaller progressive steps to get there. Like if we know that they're jumping rope and they're feeling that pressure or having symptoms of their prolapse after, you know, doing jump squats or whatever the activity mm -hmm. is, um, then I want to know, okay, let's, let's back off of it a little bit. Like we might still do the activity, but let's do it 50%. How does it feel? Okay. You still have symptoms. Okay. Let's try the activity 25% okay, you still have symptoms. Okay. Let's break it down and just do air squats. And maybe we'll just do air squats to toes or, um, same would go with weights. What weight is causing that dysfunction? How, where are we losing the support of the pelvic floor at what transition piece? Mm -hmm. Um, cause I, I feel like I'm an athlete. I was an athlete growing up and mm -hmm. have a very competitive mentality. And I feel like when you get that, I don't know, that stress relief or that urge as a, a mother, you feel yourself again and you're like, oh yes, I grasped it. And then these prolapse symptoms show up and you feel that pressure down there. Cause I, I have a history of having cystocele. Um, so I can relate to that feeling and you're like, damn, I feel so good at the gym. I come you know, off this major mm -hmm. high, but then I feel the pressure down there and you're like, dang it. Like, what did I yeah. do wrong? Where did I lose my endurance and my strength at, at what point during that 45 minute routine did I, you know, was it what, which activity was it that did it, that threw it in? Um, and so I'd like to create a routine of doing all of them, but let's figure out, okay, if we feel the symptoms here, then when you get there, I, we may stop, we may get into, um, like a relaxed position, um, or doing another activity to try to fire more of that anterior portion of that wall, the front part of the pelvic floor to give it a little bit more support so that you can finish out the routine. Um, it's all about modifying. It mm -hmm. really is. Um, yeah. cause when and building tolerance, right. Increasing yes. tolerance and load over yes. time. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. glutes, glutes are way bigger deal than I ever thought they were like <laughs> years ago. Um, on that support of that prolapse too, you've got to have good glute support. So I, I went to that first class years ago and found out I had a ladder prolapse, a small cystocele. And I, again, had not had children and then went through my three C-sections, no vaginal births and had my C, uh, grade two cystocele after each of my kiddos. And I still like, I will get email or messages from people like, oh my gosh, I saw that you were jumping or you're out running with your kids. I thought you had bladder prolapse. I'm like, mm -hmm. I, I do, but I've learned how to improve it. And I'm happy to say now, like why this is probably the first time in a long time that I've gone three months with no symptoms when I like ovulate around my cycle which yeah, is typically the hardest my triggering point. point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I finally made it back to where things are working together as a team. I've got my glute strength up, but I had to slowly progress back there. I couldn't anytime after my early babies of jumping back into that running at eight weeks postpartum, there's my prolapse. And now knowing like, oh, that's not the best decision I shouldn't be doing in that high intensity stuff because maybe my pelvic floor wasn't ready for it. 
not to say like we know now, like it's probably better to wait 12 weeks postpartum if you've been working on things to get you back out there in that high intensity or running environment, but still check in with, you know, a pelvic floor physical therapist, especially if you're having symptoms of that pressure or use tampon feeling down there, especially with any activities. Yeah, that's great. And that's exactly the philosophy that we hold true as well. And it's so disempowering to love an activity and to be told, well, you can never do that again. Um, It's awful. Yeah, I don't believe that at all anymore. And it was, I mean, you do, you hear it in the media and think like, cool. Because these women, I'm like, what do you mean I can't run? Like I am, I'm out running with my kids all day now, especially now that we're home. We're putting in, which is even more surprising, like I run three miles a day right now, and then um, I'm out with the kids, but we're walking a total, so three miles plus six, we're walking, I'm walking six miles with them, so I'm on my feet a lot during the day. I have three boys, so I'm wearing them out, (laughs) is what I think. Um, It's for my sanity and to wear their energy out, and I have had no symptoms for the last two months, which is huge, because in the past, when I was more weak or maybe hadn't worked on overall strength and worked on progressing my um, or progressing my strength within my pelvic floor that I would have felt it immediately, probably after, after my run. Yeah. So things are, it's definitely capable. It definitely happens. You know, you have time to improve it. It takes time to improve it. So really modifying and thinking about how you can support your body. I mean, gosh, even right now is huge. Like take the time to do it. So you don't, I don't know, injure yourself down the road or increase your risk for that. Absolutely. And do you have a blanket statement? Like, do you feel pregnant people should not run when they're, you know, during their pregnancy? Yeah, I don't know about running. Everyone has a little Um, different opinion on that. No, I, I think it all depends on your symptoms. I knew with having my prolapse after, so with my second one, I chose not to because I was feeling more of that pressure while pregnant. Right. So I switched it up to more of a walking hills program <laughs> versus the running. I think it's just watch, really listening. I hate to say listening to your body, but really like knowing what it feels like down there. Why do you hate to say listening um, to your body? In, you know, it's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I've heard, you know, I don't like, I feel like it's overused. Maybe? Yeah. <laughs> And you can listen to your body and have an injury because athletes, especially I'm an athlete too, in some ways. And like, we push through stuff. Like yeah, I was having a knee issue a month ago and you know what? I really needed the release of that really hard workout. And so I, even though I'm an exercise physiologist and I should know better, I was like, oh, whatever, my knee's fine. And I kept going and then I couldn't walk for a day. So I don't know if listening to my body, I mean, clearly I didn't listen to my body, but you can listen to it and still not know the signs. So I think you're Mm -hmm. right. You have to really know the symptoms and the signs that you're looking for. And it's interesting. I, I have also, I'd love to hear about your perspective, but I have a lot of clients who have a prolapse, have had a vaginal delivery, and then the second time around, they're really weighing out the option, right? So Lindsay and I see this all the time, weighing out the option. Should I go for another, should I go for a cesarean birth this time and reduce the chances of making my prolapse worse? Or should I just have the vaginal birth? I've already had one and, you know, reduce the risk that can come along with a cesarean birth. And I'm curious, I never, you know, I never, um, you know, try to sway people. I try to just give information, which is from my perspective and I would like yours, but vaginal birth doesn't have to make a prolapse worse. 
In fact, I've no. seen many people with prolapse for whom it doesn't get worse. So what is your advice right. for your client? How do you handle that? Yeah, the, one of my best friends is actually that to a T. Her first birth was a fourth degree tear vaginally, mm -hmm. very mm -hmm. large baby. And um, she ended up with a rectocele um, and a pretty good rectocele. We spent a very long time with any fourth degree. It's never improved in six weeks. It takes a... Oh, yeah. Right. That I mean, and it's get a, that tissue yeah. back. Yeah. Um, and improve the scar tissue too, because we yeah. were dealing with, you know, pain with intercourse and then the rectocele rubbing on the underwear and causing sensitivity and us finding different garments for her to wear while she's working on all of this. And so with her second pregnancy, she was like, I'm having a C-section. Mm -hmm. And I remember like anyone else I listen, but to her, I'm like, girl, then you're going to have scar tissue vaginally grade four. And then you're going to have a C-section, which is almost very similar to a grade four tear. That's a lot of scar tissue in two yeah. different places. Mm -hmm. Your pelvic floor is moving really well. We've got it contracting, relaxing, bearing down, like it moves how it's supposed to. The strength is where it needs to be. You're in a healthier place. You've got real, I think you'll have a pretty solid delivery. And she delivered and did beautiful, no tearing, nothing. So for her, yeah. it worked out really well. Um, but she, for the longest time, I think she was more nervous and scared of going through that traumatic birth again. Um, but gosh, we rehab heck out of that pelvic floor and it did beautiful um, and performed in, in that circumstance. Um, so most often what we see though, is they're not tearing, you know, that grade four, grade three again. If anything, there might be minor, minor tearing, um, like a grade one maybe a grade two, but they, it responds and heals really well. And it, it, that's a hard situation. I don't know what I would do in the, in that scenario. Um, but I know having scar tissue in one place is probably better than having it in two would be my thought on that. Um, yeah. Tell us about you, that. Tell our listeners about yeah, scar and, tissue. And, and let's <laughs> Educate go, us. And, and let's also go like, so if someone has a cesarean, I've heard the same true for some people. And I don't think there's one right answer. I don't think like, right. Once a cesarean, always cesarean, or that it's wrong to have all that, or vice the opposite. Like once you have a vaginal birthers, you should always try for that. You know what I mean? I think right. it varies. But right. um, how do you feel with that? If if somebody's had a cesarean and now they're thinking about a VBAC? Yep, I would probably do the same that I would do with a vaginal birth. Like I think women who have had C sections, like pelvic floor therapy, is not really in in their mind of what they need to do after right. birth. And then even pr during pregnancy, if they're going in for a VBAC, people don't typically think like, well, I had a C-section, you know, my pelvic floor wasn't involved, but it was like during pregnancy, that pelvic floor changes. Right. And, but then all the different symptoms that happen after that C-section. So yeah, that's a, we do, we support women to have VBACs after C-sections um, and have that risk. My, my usual advice to those women is like, still come in, learn how to work that pelvic floor. Let's see how that, where the tissue's at and then get you on a program to help you for that childbirth. And let's learn how to do massage or learning how to contract and relax that tissue. So you know how to use it during childbirth, because a lot of women don't, we get scared, we feel the pain and we tend to go into that, you know, yep, sucked contract. up nice and tight. Mm -hmm. Right. And uh, we need that tissue to lengthen, to let something out of there. So I think when they come in and work with their PT and they're feeling pretty good about how everything's looking, then our, our whole advice too is like mindset. Like we know it's going to be uncomfortable. We know it's going to be pain, but we need you to go to this area of positivity during childbirth to really help that pelvic floor relax 
so it can lengthen and have the childbirth and us, our hopes are, you know, not having too much tearing with that. Um, but with the C-section, we know there's a lot of different layers that get cut um, that create more of that scar tissue. So we, the patients that typically come in think their incision is their only scar. And we try to explain like that's the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more that happens underneath because they cut going through um, your fatty layer, your subcutaneous tissue. Then they're going and cutting into the fascia and then lifting the fascia. So that's like your spider webby stuff. If you're peeling chicken apart, lifting that fascia um, off the muscle, and then they're going to separate the muscle. They're not cutting into the muscle. They're separating the muscle bluntly with their hands. They're going to enter into that um, peritoneum layer and they do that with scissors. They're dissecting the bladder down from the uterus and then cutting into that uterus. So that so far we've had a lot of layers down just to get to that uterus. Then they'll help to rupture your bag of water. They'll deliver the baby and have a birthday party, deliver the placenta, and then end up sewing your uterus, your fascia, skin, and sometimes the fat layer back up. And that's a lot of area for adhesions to happen. Scar tissue has no boundaries. So it's just going to anchor on anything that it can. So since the bladder sits in front of that uterus, a lot of times the bladder is involved. And then you've got scar tissue, you know, coming from the uterus up and then coming from the skin layer down and it's just going to you know, go anywhere. And depending on your genetics too, like say um, one of you has had three C-sections and I've had three C-sections, our scar tissue is going to be completely different person totally. to person. I may have a crap ton and you may have very minimal and be perfect. Um, I know mine is a lot because I've been told not to have another C-section. Um, so we stopped, got my husband fixed. So we're all good there. Um, but uh-huh. like I have been still, I'm two years postpartum after my third and I will still have some of the symptoms that I would say like come on with C-section from scar tissue, even though I've been working on my scar tissue for the last two years, not as often as I did in the beginning, but um, I know if I haven't worked on it for a while, then I may feel discomfort around uh, like two days before I start my period. I know I'll get a left abdominal cramp and maybe a rectal spasm. Um, Or if I don't urinate, if I have this sensation to go pee and I don't relieve my bladder quick enough, I will start getting abdominal cramping and it'll start kind of blowing up a little bit. Um, stress will kind of increase with that too, but I know if I can keep mobility down there, especially in the abdomen, um, things move a lot freer and the pain is a lot less. That's amazing. And what are your go-to scar tissue releases? It is amazing how many people have not been told that they should be working on their scar. And um, like you said, the issues that it can lead to. So can you tell us some of the issues that it could lead to and how do you like to work on the scar? Yeah. So um, I discussed bladder. So with that bladder sitting right in front of that uterus, sometimes the scar tissue can, um, when the bladder fills up with urine, that scar tissue can sometimes um, decrease that stretch response for that bladder. So it's not allowed to stretch its full and it'll create this urgency or um, frequency where you'll have to urinate more often because you feel that maybe even when, because the bladder's not stretching as full, um, you'll feel that. So you may be urinating more or you may feel that lower abdominal cramping there too. So the scar tissue can restrict it from stretching and we want to create more mobility there. Um, the or in when stools moving through bowels, sometimes that can get caught or it can cause constipation. 
um, or um, pelvic floor tension and tightness with that anterior wall. Um, the ligaments that go out and attach to the labial and clitoral area from the uterus out to the pubic region, it can cause um, clitoral sensation, hypersensitivity, labial sensitivity, so like tingling around that area or burning and numbness kind of where that round ligament branches there towards the front of the pubic bone. Mm -hmm. um, the ligaments also attach to the low back SI region. So you could have low back pain. So say you've got more restrictions like for me on my left side. So if I have that, I may be having more left SI discomfort and pain. Mm -hmm. um, for other patients, it might be the right side and they may have more right-sided. So I tend to say, let them know like this can you know, be correlated and we'll see as we're move, improving mobility, we'll see if that improves as well. Um, pain with sex, I honestly never thought that would pop back into my life, mm -hmm. uh, but it seemed to after my second childbirth or second C-section, I had the hypertonic pelvic floor again, but I also had that labial and clitoral sensation where I was so hypersensitive where the nerves had been cut and were trying to regrow. Um, so hypersensitive. Anytime my um, husband would touch my legs or my abdomen and want to get frisky, I could not stand it. And I didn't mean to, but I would end up like backhanding him because <laughs> I my body was just so freaked out. Right. But that went on for a couple months. We were able to calm down the nervous system uh, with soft touch and gentle touch, like moving from knee into more of that groin region on that inner thigh. So working on different techniques with that. Um, and then lower abdominal bloating that can tend to happen. Um, I've noticed more of like the lymphatic system being involved with the cesarean bursts, especially mine. I don't remember learning about that in our earlier years about C-section bursts because I feel like we still only learned about the, the top part, the skin massage, the scar massage. Yeah. Um, and I have learned with working, trying to improve that lymphatic flow um, can really help with that abdominal bloating, which will then decrease the abdominal pain, which then can help um, with that healing and inflammation too. So my, my clients and patients um, and my girls in our C-section program, our C-section recovery program, they learn how to do the scar massage at the superficial layer. So at that, that incision line. Um, and above it, if they're before that six weeks postpartum before they get released, because you'll notice with any C-sections, like about an inch to an inch and a half above that incision line will start to get really restricted mm -hmm, about right, four weeks yeah. postpartum, six weeks postpartum. So learning how to move that tissue as well. And then below the incision, because women will typically forget about, you know, right at that pubic bone and that bladder region that that has to move to. Um, and then we get deeper into the muscular layer because that has to move and improve. And it kind of plays into the obliques that, you know, uh, external obliques will tend to fire a little bit, you know, or a little bit more tight internal obliques aren't doing as well with some of our patients, not always with everyone. Um, so getting into lengthening the muscle tissue and the scar tissue around that area, and then moving into the organ layer, the visceral layer and learning how, you know, how's the mobility at the bladder? How's the mobility at the rectum? can we change that? What does it feel like um, when we move all of this tissue up versus down, left versus right, clockwise versus counterclockwise? And then I like to teach them stacking, you know, the directions that are more tight, but that not everybody responds to stacking. So then you kind of go the opposite direction. Like let's go into all the layers that were loosey goosey that weren't tight and let's stack it that way. And that kind of gives the body, may give the body a control delete, like a reset of not being scared and pulled and guarded. And then you can start to play with that tissue a little bit more. 
That's amazing. And you feel um, that it's very important to begin this process as soon as possible. Yes, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the tissues in the healing process, That's we know right. that there's so many phases of collagen healing and remodeling. Yeah. And you, I really like the women to start this out pretty early. I mean, you can even do this desensitization stuff with um, just at that skin level at like two to four weeks postpartum, you're not digging in deep. You're not on top of the incision. You're using a cotton ball, a Q-tip. Um, I tell them to use their underwear, the sheet of the bed, um, sandpaper, like, um, uh, because typically with our C-section births, like jeans are going to bug it, you know, yeah. may bug it when we go to put months yeah. down the road, um, our underwear may bug it sensitivity and nobody, I mean, if we can start to change that early on where we're not feeling that later down the road, then my gosh, do it, get that tissue to improve as soon as it can. And that's just at that skin layer that early because we want to help guide and calm the tissue down. So it's not freaked out. And then moving further into the deeper stuff. I like to, I, I probably do the deeper stuff higher above the incision, um, like releasing the obliques at that four, if they're going to come in at four weeks to five weeks, um, and the diaphragm, all, all that good stuff. But I, I typically don't allow, I walk them through it if I feel comfortable, like they're not going to harm themselves. Um, but like not doing anything on top of that incision until it's healed around six weeks. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more. Right, right. That's amazing. That's so comprehensive and incredible. And I'm sure that if people do it as they should, you know, it's so, it's so easy to be given instructions and it's so hard to implement the instructions, cool. especially for new moms. Well, yeah. and the thing is too, that you go and you have any other surgery and you are sent to PT, but right. it's pretty rare. I think it's getting better, but it's pretty rare after a cesarean to have PT recommended. I think it's getting more, but yes. I, I think we think, oh, my, my pelvic floor is fine. I didn't have a vaginal birth. Yes. And, and it's, it's taken us like a lot to get out to our doctors here um, to explain like these scars are very similar to an ACL patient or right. a rotator cuff patient. Like what, how we, we would be treating the scars and going through tissue mobility, um, you know, working the range of motion. And then we're going to go into active range of motion and then going into, um, you know, stretching the tissue and gently strengthening it does not mean that, okay, they're ready to go run at six weeks or they're ready to go throw softball or baseball as hard as they can at six weeks after those surgeries. And it doesn't mean that after a cesarean or a vaginal birth either, um, especially with the scar tissue vaginally or cesarean, like we've got to work on that tissue or the body's going to compensate. And it's very good at compensating. We can see that with any other injury. Um, but letting people know like, Hey, this is muscle tissue too. And this is collagen and the nervous system is affected. And, um, this is the way that they're compensating at home. But, oh my gosh, we just sent a brand new mom who had major abdominal surgery home with a 10 pound kettlebell for her to carry around <laughs> right? this kettlebell all day long. And her core is shot. So yeah. what can we do at home to modify for that? And maybe, um, start working on, you know, 
the scar tissue a little bit sooner, maybe start improving mobility of pelvic floor and lower abs and back strengthening exercise. You know, you can do so much more full body that they're doing with the baby already at home. In my opinion, this is just my opinion, um, that we're missing, we're missing that right now. And it took me having a second kiddo to realize that. Like, yeah. like, oh, I'm not supposed to do this, but I have a 45 pound toddler right. that right. I have to go exactly. save from running out in the middle of the road. So yeah, you have to I train to them. task. I mean, uh, yes. And that doesn't mean like pick up that 45 pound toddler at four weeks postpartum after a C-section. Like it's being smart, but. Totally. But you're still moving mm-hmm. around. You're still, you know, oh, you yes. on the floor with them, picking up after them. Your body is moving in three-dimensional weight, you know, on yes. three-dimensional planes all day long. And then we're told don't move. Well, yep. okay. So <laughs> when I do move, I guess I'll just compensate, you know, yeah. where's And we the wonder bridge? why they're having hip and low back pain, right. mm-hmm. you know, all the above prolapse symptoms early on because we're but not th- doing anything. Correct. And I think that that's where stacking the cards in your favor when you're pregnant is a great idea so that you have an easier recovery and you can find that bridge uh, yeah. more, you know, yeah. cohesion. I mean, I think I wonder sometimes I've had cesarean moms tell me like, oh, I don't have to do any prehab because I'm having another cesarean. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you need to, everybody, we all need to prepare yeah. our bodies for birth. Doesn't matter what yep. kind of birth it is. Right. And like you said, then you're picking up that baby and moving it from side to side and shifting it, you know, him, her all over the place that requires active use of your body. Yeah. I'm curious. And then you add in a ask? car seat and it's yeah. like double yes. the weight. Those are heavy. <laughs> Holy cow. Spinal yeah, flexion right. holding a 10 pound baby. Totally. I have a question for you that I'm curious your answer to. So talking cesarean and vaginal birth, have you noticed those with cesarean having a more difficult time reconnecting to their core or is it similar? Like how, I, I'm curious the differences you see between those coming to you after a vaginal birth and those with you coming to you after a cesarean birth and how you treat them differently or the same. I do believe our cesarean moms have a harder time connecting the dots with their lower abdomen firing properly. Um, it tends to want to fully go into the upper abs and push things back down, but their nervous system was cut there too. So I think, I mean, that definitely has a lot to play into that. So we're training the lower abs a lot more. However, our moms that have come in previous, so for prehab is what we call like before childbirth. For instance, I had a C-section mom four months or four weeks out yesterday. She came in and because we had already been working on it, she let me know when she delivered and she's like, I can't fire my abdomen the way I was when I was, you know, pregnant, which is still not, you know, the way we want it to fire always, but getting it to start firing early, she looked phenomenal. She had a better pelvic stability yesterday, four weeks postpartum than she did while pregnant, but that woman had been working on it. And granted, yes, it's her I first baby. Too. She had more time. And I'm like, and she, she actually has an Ironman she's supposed to do in October. And I, she looked at oh, me wow. yesterday like, I, I don't think I'm going to be doing the Ironman. I was like, I think it's a good idea to, well, you know. good for her. Cause <laughs> some people can't do that. Can't turn yes. it off, you know, when they yes. need to. I'm like, I think it would be a smart idea to just hold off until the next one. Like, well, let your body so heal. Interesting. Yeah, I have a new client also, and she wants to. I got the email yesterday of like, high intensity workouts are my survival, and I have a prolapse. What do I do? Mm. And it's so hard because, yeah, I mean, 
I, I said to her, what do you do? Tell, why don't you tell me? You know that the high intensity workouts are not really working for your prolapse right now. So tell me what you think mm-hmm. you should do. You know, put the power in, in your hands. You tell me what you should do. But it's hard. It's a really hard thing to give up. Mm-hmm. It is. Yep. And she, I mean, this gal was running and biking up until That's childbirth right. pretty much too. Um, but she was doing great. Like no symptoms. Her body felt really good. And then I, we didn't do... Um, too much yesterday besides checking the tissue, looking at the scar, but even her at four weeks, like the incision didn't, wasn't all the way healed yet. So we made sure to still avoid that. And like, when you check in with your doctor at six weeks, we'll come back in and try to guide you a little bit further. But these are the things that I want you to work on. But we moved past some of the things that we probably would have done with other moms who had not come into public floor PT previously and moving into it already into um, maybe exercises that we normally wouldn't do for a couple weeks out from now. So we're, I'm really excited for her. I think she'll be, yes, she'll be I don't doing think, great. I don't think prehab is preached enough. We preach prehab too all the time. And it's really hard to sell like avoiding something. We all have our pain points and we're like, when we have the issue, then we're committed. But that's right. That's right. Avoiding the mm-hmm. issue is not like a super seller all the time. I wish it was. Mm-hmm. We're working on it, but yeah. Well, you don't know what you don't know, right? So why work on avoiding a you. prolapse if yeah. that's right? I had a question I wanted to ask you, and it could be potentially triggering. So I am a former, well, no, I'm not former. I am a longtime yoga teacher and I and Pilates. And anecdotally, I see a lot of my friends and colleagues who have a cesarean section. They have a really hard time with dilating. And then their after note is always, I don't understand. I did my kegels dutifully and have a really, you know, strong pelvic floor. What's the connection? I'm curious, I'm curious, do you see anecdotally a lot of is there a certain type that you see who have a hard time with their pelvic floor during childbirth, a hard time dilating? I will say I tend my gut tells me when they're coming in and over overworking the pelvic floor during pregnancy mm-hmm. that we're probably going to tear vaginally, right. which is what I was trying to prepare this gal for when she was having her childbirth because she was biking 35 miles a day, running a ton. Um, and so to prepare, like we have to work on the relaxation piece. We've got to get you in prenatal yoga. We've got to start learning how to down train the pelvic floor a little bit. Mm-hmm. Too. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, or if it's not a vaginal birth, it could move into a cesarean. And that's kind of what happened for her. Um, everybody's journey is different, but I will say the more high toned individual. So yeah. doing more exercises, maybe those are causing high tone, or maybe we just are more of a high tone, go, go, go type of personality. Um, I tend to see more of those having either the C-sections or the, I don't know if there's correlation with that though. Um, like research we're, I, anecdotally. I, it's totally anecdotally and I'm a doula and I've been to hundreds of births and I definitely, I noticed that as well. And so I think it's really important, especially if we're working with athletes. So if we're talking to the birth professional yes. listening to this podcast, if you're working with an athlete, a CrossFitter, like runners, really intense yogis, you -hmm. should be telling them during pregnancy to down train and to work on the yield of their pelvic floor. Like there's nothing wrong with your athletic endeavors, but you have to do more. Like we're Mm -hmm. training for a task. 
Right. And you have to complement every muscle. There's not one type of contraction. And a Kegel assumes that uh, a concentric contraction of a muscle is the only mm-hmm. way to fight quote unquote weakness. <laughs> you know, yes. hypertonic is good. You know, more tone is good. No, more tone is just more tone. Right, exactly. Um, and some of those women too yeah. may come in with like the pelvic pressure during pregnancy. Yes. And so we wonder like, okay, are we, you know, prolonged sitting, prolonged standing? That's and some right. of them that pressure from what I have found is not like, yes, maybe it happens in those positions, but sometimes those women just, again, don't know how to relax. So they're, you know, contracting that tissue, relaxing it halfway, contracting that tissue, relaxing it halfway. So it, once you teach them how to move through that full range of motion, you know, even their pressure changes down there. They're not having as much pelvic pressure. Or they work on down training and breathing exercises, you know, during the day more often. And that can change that pressure and end up improving their pelvic floor too. So to hopefully help them, you know, with a better childbirth experience too. Yeah. 100%. Amanda, tell us where people can find you. Because you mentioned um, a course on Kajabi and I didn't see that in your, in your bio. So tell us more uh, and we'll put things in the show notes, but we'd like to, you know, plug, plug your stuff for a minute. Okay. So on Instagram, I'm empower.your.pelvis. Um, on our website, it's empoweryourpelvis.com. And then we've got a C-section recovery course on Kajabi. And is that as comprehensive, like you were saying, getting down to the layers all the way down to the organ layer? Yeah. So how I've got it set up right now. Um, so we did, we started it a year ago and it was just a Facebook group. And so it was for four weeks and I only, I did it for four weeks because women were like, I can do four weeks. And I'm like, well, your tissue is only going to probably change, you know, a little bit in four weeks, but let's go ahead and run with it. And then realizing these women were coming back. Okay. Let's do another four weeks. Let's do another four weeks. So, um, I finally released it in February is just a 12 week course. Um, and we've got a good group of girls. We still have our Facebook group where we'll go and check in on each other and, you know, motivate, see how things are going. We'll do our zoom lives our Facebook lives, but the Kajabi is really cool. Cause it's number one, there's an app with it, which I love because moms are usually on their phones, right? If they're mm-hmm. nursing their babies, they're on their phone. Um, and it's their phones with them more often than their computer is. So it'll, it breaks it down by first what's released is, you know, what happened during your C-section, give them a little bit of education and background, you know, what layers were affected, um, symptoms that you may have after a C-section that uh, may be considered more like pelvic floor dysfunction or things that we would want to improve on or to watch and speak up to your healthcare provider about. And then we go through um, the skin layer or yeah, the superficial layer of um, scar mobility and then muscular layer, organ layer, giving them a tracker sheet, a C-section tracker sheet, so they can keep track of how many days during the week are they doing it. Our goal is three to five minutes um, at a time. And, you know, that may be before you go to bed at night, just working that tissue a little bit. In the beginning, we really like to do that laying down because gravity allows the organs to move out of the way, allows you to get right on top of that tissue. Mm-hmm. Now, later on down the road, as things are a little bit more healed, sometimes the shower is the only place in time that you have alone time. So even working on that scar in that position, or maybe during intercourse is when you feel lower abdominal pain. So maybe getting in the quadruped position on all fours and doing some scar massage or in child's pose or standing and leaning over the bed. We definitely want to see how that tissue is working at that deeper layer in those different positions to improve intercourse as well. And then going through like a pelvic floor um, restoration 
piece of it. So working, getting the diaphragm to release and um, then working on breathing techniques throughout the day. It may um, like as a whole 360 um, effect with that. And then with the pelvic floor, getting that to contract and relax, going into the lower abdomen and then a full body strengthening piece with it. And Sounds then incredible. little bits and pieces, thank you. And then little bits and pieces of, you know, proper ways to carry baby, um, nursing baby, feeding baby, what stretches you might want to do if you're feeling discomfort or having low back pain. Um, but yeah, just trying, trying to give them ideas of how to work on spreading the load while they're lifting, you know, their kettlebells or the babies at home to do it properly while trying to get that core to connect again and work with them. So they're not overcompensating or pushing the load out and down. Yes. What an amazing resource. Totally that amazing. Is awesome. Sign me up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Well, Amanda, it was fantastic to so speak with you today. I think our listeners are going to love this episode. So really thank you for coming on and um, sharing so much information and valuable resources and tips. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me guys. I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmamaprenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy. And definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time. This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the Body Ready Method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.